You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Well, we wish that we were getting you ready for another Seahawks game this season, but instead, John Boyle and I are going to wrap up a few thoughts from the 2022 season, which overall, John, I I hate the way it feels when a season ends. I actually have a little pep in my step today. For sure. I mean, look, I know this team always believed in itself and had high expectations, but we all looked at it going in of, you know, some guys are gone and we don't know what the season's going to be. And I think a lot of us thought the future is bright, but we're not sure about 2022. So to come out of this year with nine wins, a playoff berth, a rookie class looking phenomenal, like there's so much to be excited about. Yeah, it's no fun being done, but I think everyone's kind of already ready to look ahead. Well, and I think once you get past that initial emotion, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. You know, locker room Saturday after that loss, it caught me off guard that Cody Barton could not finish an answer to my question because he was tearing up too much. Yeah. Which then, of course, makes me tear up, and then that just turns into a disaster. whole interview's shot. But part of why Cody was, was that emotional is the camaraderie and the bonds that have been formed on this team. I think we have underestimated that just a little bit over the course of the year, partly because you're looking at numbers, but this is a close group. Yeah, for sure. Cody actually talked about that the next day. I talked to him and he said, you know, when, when I got here four years ago, guys all told me this is different from college. It's a business. You, you know, guys come and go. There's a bigger age difference. Just all these different factors that you're not as close as your college team. And he said, you know, this year felt, Reminded me of college where you just, you have those special bonds. And I don't know if it's because it was a younger team. If it's because of some of the guys who were gone, you had new younger, like more, those guys were such strong leaders. Talk about Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, such strong voices. I think they commanded so much of that locker room and they earned it. When they're gone, it kind of opens the door for a lot of more people to have their voices heard, to step up into leadership roles. And I think that just created a different vibe on this team. Well, and it's really interesting because I never would have thought about it that way as far as age difference of these players, right, Mm -hmm. which affects closeness. But they are. They're at about the same point in their lives, sprinkling in some Bruce Irvin, Al Woods, you know, like Quentin Jefferson. You got some of the older vets. But, yeah, a lot of young guys still kind of finding their way. Yeah, it was a good group. And I would never expect Pete to be anything but optimistic, but he's pretty fired up at this point. Coming out of this building yesterday with all these guys and the meetings that we had and, I mean, all of the opportunities to, to connect with guys, it, this is this is a new place for us, really. This is a different feeling. And, and uh, you know, after losing the last game, which is always the curse in the league, um, you know, it, it has its way of kind of manifesting, and, and uh, we've been through all of that, and our guys just feel like we're getting started. This is what it feels like, and, and they're excited about it. They're encouraged about it. The coaches feel like that. Personnel feels like that. Fueled by the, the big transition we made last year and, and all of the elements that come along with that, it's factored in, you know, and we can feel it. And the coming into the, going into the draft, we can feel it. There's a momentum about it, and hopefully we'll be able to cash in. You know, you mentioned Cody Barton getting emotional, and there was definitely some of that. But I did actually get a sense when I was in the locker room that 
it was maybe less kind of glum and down than you might think after playoff yeah. loss. And I, I do think, again, everyone's going to process it differently, but I do think it's some of what Pete's talking about. There is like a lot of these guys know like, yeah, we would love to still be playing, but man, the, there's so much to be happy about and look forward to. You know, we heard Ryan Neal the next day talking about Gino's already in the locker room, getting a, getting a weight lift in a day after and just, Guys recognize that, okay, we weren't quite there yet. We're not quite the complete team we need to be yet, but the foundation's there for something really good. I love that Gina was in the weight room. Yeah. Also, I took that day off. The only thing I lifted was a mimosa that afternoon. Yeah, Yeah. I'm usually a stickler for my morning workouts. Not that day. Uh, I made up for it in the days following. For as optimistic as that locker room was, I do want to point out, because I think a lot of people go back to 2012, mm-hmm. and they say that was the last time that it it felt like you ended on a positive note, even though you lost, mm-hmm. and it was a tough loss. There is a difference. Yeah. You and I both covered that team in 2012. There was a difference in personnel. Like, yes, this year's team accomplished a lot. You can see that the upward trajectory is there, and that they haven't even come close to reaching their peak. But if we are being honest, there is a lot of stuff that needs to happen and change in the offseason. Pete Carroll pointing to one of those areas of need this week. It's killing me. And, and it really, we, we're going to have to become more dynamic up front. We have to. You know, we, we've kind of been in the same mode. We've got to get more production out of the guys. They've got to be more factored. Um, and so, you know, we need to make that position really competitive if we can, you know, and, and we'll see what we can do. You're right that the 2012 comparison is not a perfect one. For starters, that team, I mean, that team was blowing people out at the end yes. of the year. Like it was, and it was a inc- loaded team on yeah. both sides of the ball. But one thing that does kind of translate to me how they go about doing it might be different. But you go back to that first press conference, Pete Carroll. The one thing he really needed was to get that defensive front more dynamic. And they went out and signed Michael Bennett, and Cliff Averill, and they were two of the pieces that really made a difference. Maybe it's not free agents because the Seahawks have a lot more draft capital right now than they did in that 2013 draft, where you know, like a lot of the years they've drafted later in the draft. And all that you're you're going to be able to add potentially four really good instant impact type guys with those first and second round picks. So even though there are some some deficiencies on this roster, which you know he was asked the question, you know, comparing specifically to the 49ers. How do you catch up to the team that just won your division and beat you three times? And the first thing he points to is their front seven. Well, you know, yes, they need to get better there, but you've got a lot of ways between the salary cap space you have and those draft picks to potentially bolster that area in a hurry. Yeah, and, you know, I'm curious. I'm going to get your gut reaction on how you think they're going to use those draft (laughs) picks. No idea. But I also think... I also think it's it's what they have, and it's kind of like that eye test of who are you going to send off the bus first, right? If I send this player off the bus first, is that going to be intimidating enough to the opponent? You've had these conversations, yeah. right? And when you start looking at which one of the Seahawks players can cause problems for the opponents, you know, I absolutely in the back end, there there's some talent there, and we saw the takeaways and the force fumbles and all of that. And here's what Pete Carroll said about the guys that he sees being problematic. 
the young guys will improve and cause problems. China had a great season for us, you know, and was a factor in, in every game of causing problems. That's Those are the kinds of players. Jordan was like that as well. You could see Tariq had the factor. When Dizzy really got back to going and really got flying around out there, he had his effect on the back end. Well, Jamal would be a part of that, you know. And, and one of the guys that had a really great year for us that, that maybe, maybe hasn't shown up yet was uh, Ryan Neal. You know, Ryan Neal had a really effective year when he was playing. He was out there. Made a lot of stuff happen. His numbers were really good. He was a productive player. We need guys to be issues for the opponent. And so schematically we help them, but physically they got to do their thing too. So we're competing to get better. The CX do definitely have guys, as Pete Carroll said, that are issues for the opponent. But you go back and listen to everybody he listed, it is pretty much all linebacker and secondary other than Uchenna, who, by the way, had a great year. Yes. 26 quarterback hits, nine and a half sacks. He's going to be a big party future. But that, again, gets back to, okay, first of all, let's hope you get two of those guys he mentioned finish the year on injured reserve with pretty significant injuries. So let's hope you get Jamal and Jordan Brooks with that late of a knee injury. We don't know how soon Jordan Brooks will be out. But if you have that talent on the back two levels, okay, now let's find that stutter to game wrecker defensive lineman, which, you know, to be fair, it's a lot easier said than done. That's one of the hardest things to get in this league, and that's why those guys always get drafted so high when they do come out of the draft. But, um, I, you know, I do like a lot of the kind of foundational pieces of this defense, but they just they got to find ways to get a little more dangerous up front. Well, and the numbers have to change, right? 505 total yards yeah. of offense to San Francisco, and – Give credit to the Niners. We talked about it before that game. You cannot give up explosive plays. Seattle allowed explosive plays. Now, there's any number of reasons for that, right? Your linebackers get caught up in the wash. If your front four can't get the pressure or hold up the way they want to, you know, there's a a penalty or two. Like, there's there's a lot of things. Yeah. But the numbers overall, and that's what Pete was talking about just a a few minutes ago. It's frustrating. It's not what you expected. Yeah. Well, it's like Pete said, it's killing them because it's how inconsistent it was. It yep. was it was pretty bad early in the year. Then they get on that winning streak, and they played four or five games of pretty solid defense. Then it went back the other way. Then they finished here before this 49ers game. They were playing pretty good defense to end the regular season. So it's finding that consistency. I do think, obviously, upgrading the personnel will be a big thing this offseason. But I do think even if you didn't change the personnel, given another year in the same defensive scheme with these coaches, because they, they try to do a lot of different things. They're kind of adjusting on the fly this year. I think just... Having that year to look at, okay, what worked, what didn't, what do we need to fix, and then going into an offseason where it's not all new to everybody, I think you should see some growth that way, just scheme-wise, too. Yes, and for as much as we talk about encouraging points during the season, the first half of that 49ers game, the wild card game, mm-hmm. was about as encouraging as it could get for that defense, and I talked to a number of these guys, and we didn't really talk about it in the interviews as much. They said... We know, we have seen what it looks like to have a team on their heels. We can see the look in their eyes. We know that we surprised them because they thought they were going to come out and just run all over us. That, just seeing it put together enough in mm-hmm. the first half to have that lead, I think that's as, a, as encouraging as anything that we've seen, even though those final numbers, the ones that I mentioned, aren't what they wanted. Yeah, and it's, you know, again, goes back to they got to figure out ways to clean up those mistakes because both the last two 49ers games, it's, you play, you know, you play a series where you have three or four really good players. I mean, Uchenna kept getting in the backfield, having a tackle for a loss. It's like every other run was a tackle for a loss or an explosive play. Yeah. So it's you got to find the middle ground of 
okay, they get five yards out of this instead of 15. Did you find it interesting what Pete had said about Tariq Woolen this week and just kind of how many different ways, and we're going to talk about the offense in just a second, Mm -hmm. but how many different ways Tariq is going to improve? Oh, for sure. And I just thought it was interesting because he was one of those that I think they had schemed him differently in the wild card game to kind of take him out a little bit and to frustrate him. But for as good as he was, I mean, the laundry list that Pete gave about, well, here's where he's going to get better and this is going to slow down. I can't wait to see that. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, you can kind of translate this to the whole rookie class of all these guys did all these things and contributed so much, you know, the tackles. Do you think all the experience they got against so many elite pass rushers, now they get an off season to learn from that and see what they, you know, what didn't go well and the things they can improve on, and they're just all going to come back so much better. And I think Tariq Wollen, you know, he's such a physical marvel, and the interceptions were great that, you know, even when things weren't going right, he could kind of make up for it sometimes. We saw some plays where a guy gets behind him and he chases it down and breaks it up because he's so fast and long limbs and all that. But, yeah, he's, he's going to be so much cleaner next year. It's going to be fun. I also think when you bring up the tackles – This rookie class, more than any other that I can remember in, I mean, in the last decade, they were quiet. Mm -hmm. They kept to themselves. They were not the loudest people. I have heard that Charles Cross did not say a word in game. I believe it. I believe it too, but how hard is that? First of all, (laughs) I talk for a living, but like you never once... You never once said something to your opponent. You never, like, never. I mean, it's, he's, he's a chill dude. He is, as is Abe Lucas, as is that entire class, Ken Walker. Tariq would chat a little bit, but I don't think he's a trash talker. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying this in the, are you going to talk trash? Here's one of the things I think this class is going to do as they come into their own. They will be more vocal. Their personalities are going to come out. And if I'm talking about offensive linemen, I actually want those guys to do that. I want those guys to have just a little bit of that edge, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that elevates their game, technique-wise, obviously. Yeah. I just think we, that elevates their game. We a saw little a little bit out of Abe, though. He, he liked to kind of pancake guys to the ground. And the, I still don't the, think he said anything. No, but, you know, he's got the metal, the metal guy in him. So. <laughs> yes. They did a heck of a job project, protecting Geno Smith, who I, nobody saw this coming. Anybody who said they saw this coming is lying to your face. Or his name, Geno Smith. Or his name, that's true. I believe that he saw it coming. I believe Geno saw it coming. Yes. Nobody else expected this, and he deserves a lot of praise for the year. I think Geno's play in particular shows you that, that the system is in, is, is in order and uh, need to get better. You know, we need to improve. And Geno will be the first to tell you, you know, he's got to do more things right. And that's the life of a quarterback. You know, it's such an intricate position. There's so much that goes to it. Every step he takes, every, you know, turn, every, you know, all of his footwork, all of those things can be improved on. But we know exactly what we're trying to get done. And it's really the communication level is really at, at height. And, uh, so that's it's all of that. Yeah, and now the the, the million dollar question, well, more than one million dollar question, <laughs> is Millions what's it look like if question? you know is you know it's both sides are talking like he's back. I mean, Pete Carroll said he's you know he sees him as the guy here, and Gino made it very clear he wants to finish his career here. But there's a lot of tough business decisions to make. He's deservedly gonna make a lot of money really for the first time in his career, get that big payday, and he deserves it. But it, you know, it creates a big question over this whole offseason, over the draft, everything else is, you know, what's that look like and how's that get done? Yeah. 
And I wonder if they do that earlier rather than later. Yeah, I mean. I, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not even going to try to guess oh, God, what the no. dollar amount is or what the year is or, or anything like that. But if you know that sooner rather than later. It clears up a lot. Absolutely. And I think that it gives confidence to some of these other guys because we just talked about it. It's year two in a system or a scheme or with a quarterback, right? Mm. Could you execute the offense with another quarterback? Sure. It happens all the time. Yeah. It happened last year. But he was so effective. And I think he did a great job of spreading the ball out, keeping people involved, and just like bringing out the best in his teammates throughout the entire year. Yeah, I think, you know, it would be best for a lot of people involved if they can get this done. And like you said, maybe get it done early so it's not hanging over, you know, the whole offseason of free agency and draft and all that. But we'll, we'll see. It's a lot easier for us to talk about than for those guys to actually get it done. Yeah. Also, I'm not a numbers person. So that, it starts to get over my head real quick. I did recognize the numbers of DK Metcalf, though. Yeah. In that wild card game. He had a couple of big games. I think it went a little bit under the radar this year because of the things we were talking about earlier. Just inconsistencies at various stretches in the course of the year. That wasn't just for the defense. That was for the entire team. Yeah. It is kind of scary to think that uh, Pete thinks DK is just getting started. Look at look at the game DK had. Man, they had a great football game. DK's just he, he's just finding it. He, he's just getting started. We saw him. I, I know everybody watched him. You know he's, he's so feisty and competitive and tough and you know he's finding he's finding his place as, as the player that he is. As, as, um, as many guys are, you, you got to figure it out and know who you are as the player. And as he realizes his impact that he can have and the consistency that he brings and the toughness and the, and the, the style, um, he's just getting going. And Pete, Car- I mean, he's been around four years and done so much. I think we kind of forget until Pete Carroll says that that he just turned twenty-five. Like he's a young twenty-five, and that's a position that a lot of guys develop at different rates. And you see guys play great at that position into their thirties. So, yeah, I mean, he's done a lot already in his career. You look at his first four-year numbers, and he's in very rare territory in a lot of things: yards, touchdowns, all that. But there's plenty of room for him to just continue to go up. Maybe that, you know, again, it's not just on DK if he has a quiet game. There's things defenses do. It can be the way the offense is functioning. But I do think as he matures, they're going to find ways to kind of get rid of some of those quieter games where he only has two, three catches. But, man, as we saw on Sunday, when when they can get him going, he is almost impossible to stop. Well, and some of that is also weapons around him. Yeah. You could see a difference when Tyler Lockett wasn't out there and when DK was the target that they were taking away. And even, I think, maybe a little underrated thing over the last few weeks is not having Marquise Goodwin out there. Look, Marquise Goodwin didn't put up eye-popping numbers this year, but A, he was productive when they needed him, and B, teams have to respect when you have Olympic-caliber speed out there and he's running deep routes, big crossing routes, dragging guys across the field, and he does help those other guys, and not that they don't have other capable playmakers, but you lost an element of that third elite speed guy out there. So I think, you know, however they go about it, whether it's bringing somebody back, whether it's Dariq Young developing, if you have a really good third third guy out there, that's going to help Tyler and DK as well. Yeah, Dariq Young next Debo Samuel. That's what I, I'm saying. I think I, a lot of us are very intrigued by him. Yes, very intrigued. And I from day one of rookie minicamp this year, just looks I so mean, smooth. He's, he's big, he's physical, he's fast, and he has, granted it's at a small school, but he has background of doing a lot of different things. Yeah, we they saw, ran the wing tee in we college. We saw little yeah. glimpses of that late in the yep. season. They lined him up at fullback a few times. We saw him 
you know, get on the ball and a fly sweep kind of action. So I do think, you know, if you're looking at guys who, you know, who is a guy that we were talking about a lot this year that could be a big factor next year, he's near the top of that D. Eskridge, too. D comes that back. Looks, yeah. So he talked about him. Yeah. He's They got to get him out there and healthy and keep him on the field. But, yeah, there's still plenty of upside for him. I am not going to ask you who the Seahawks are taking. I'm only going to ask this. Do they keep the picks as is or do they trade them? All of them or the first two? First two. Um, well, I was giving you a lot of I mean, there. It, do they keep the you picks? You could have like just said yes, one, and then that would have been the answer. One through seven rounds? No, they're going to make trades because there's no way John Schneider can go through a whole draft. Top two. I mean, man, it's it just depends so much on – especially when you're picking that high, how the first four picks fall and who else is interested. I mean, I was lucky enough to be in that draft room for the first round last year when they were making those picks and it's guys are calling and then you're weighing, okay, well, I mean, they had a chance. Somebody wanted to come up and take the pick where they got crossed and they just, they had a good offer and they weren't going to move back that far, but it was, this is our guy. We know we need a left tackle. We love Charles Cross. It's not worth messing around with and potentially yeah. losing him. So if there's somebody they love there at five, they're going to take them. And, you know, but we know John Schneider. If there's a chance, if your draft board falls where you got an offer to move back to eight and you got four guys sitting there with the exact same grade, then maybe, yeah, you move back a little bit and load up on more picks because even moving back a little when you're that high up gets you a lot of returns. It's a lot so. of returns, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to play it. There's so much at stake, but. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a great opportunity no matter what when you're picking five, whether it's getting a great player or getting back a little bit in the draft and getting a lot of draft capital and still getting a great player. I know there's a lot at stake. I also trust these guys. They well, have yeah, done I mean, a f- heck of a job. Yeah. it. You look at the offseason John Schneider had from the draft to some of the guys they added, obviously what they got in that trade. It, he had a heck of a year. And I, I, I hope that's recognized when people I vote for executive so of the year. He deserves it. Yes. And right now, we are going to pause for a moment and get a word from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. I know we could be talking about off-season travel, which we can do, but I am already excited about where we're traveling next year for the regular season. Yeah, we don't know the schedule yet, but we know who we're playing and when and or not when. I said we don't know when, and then I said when. Listen to yourself, John. I'm in off-season mode. We know where the games are going to be this year, and yeah, some some good road games in addition to the usual Division trips, the Seahawks will go to Dallas, New York to face the Giants, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Detroit, and Nashville, Tennessee. So Nashville's the one. As you read off this list, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. There's that, wait a minute. That's the game not the one that I'm excited about. When the That's schedule not, comes out. Yeah. yeah. I already not got text. I already got text from a friend. Like as soon as that became oh. set, he's like, Let me know when you know when the Nashville game is. And I was like, You'll know when it's on NFL Network <laughs> when I find out. But yeah, I he's, might know he's, thirty seconds. He's ahead already of you, looking but... to book that trip. So yeah, that was that was a for for fans of uh traveling to Seahawks games, that last NFC or AFC yeah. South clash was big for the Seahawks travel because yes. had Jacksonville lost that game, we'd be going to Jacksonville instead of Nashville. Yes. And I would like to point out Detroit winning. Not only got us in the playoffs, secured a trip to Detroit for the second straight yes. year. Here's what I'm going to point out for people traveling. 
that is an easier trip and a direct yes. flight than going to Green Bay. Yes, look, Green Bay is awesome. Lambeau Field is a bucket a list legend. experience yep. for a football fan. But we've been a lot, and yes. it's not it's that a, easy to get to. And it's not easy to get to, and it's not easy to win. Yes. So, <laughs> so hey, Detroit, direct flight. It's a dome if the weather is bad. Yeah. Now, so, I don't really want to mess around with that team. but that's They're going to be good next that's year. That's a story for a different day. <laughs> that's a story for next year. Yeah, I, that's a next year problem. Today, me is not going to worry about and that. Hey, New York's problem. always fun, too, for folks who want to go s- live some big city life. Yeah, for just about the right amount of time. I like yeah. New York for 48 hours, and then I'm out. Done. I'm good. Speaking of done, out good. I think we're about done. We're going to put a bow on the 2022 season. I don't think we're actually going to go anywhere, though. No. I think we'll be back we'll be around. season. We'll, do we'll this be again. around. We'll do it again. You heard it from John. Thanks for listening all year long. We really appreciate you being part of the Seahawks Insiders podcast.